I was on, then I turned it off. <clears throat> well, good morning. How's everybody? <laughs> Do you miss me? Uh, I know, you're just saying that. You have to say it. <clears throat> it's good to be back. Mind if I start off with a joke? Hey, you haven't heard me for a couple of weeks, so I heard this when I was overseas. I thought it fit. Um, do you know what you call a person who speaks three languages? Trilingual. Good. Somebody knows. Do you know what a person who speaks two languages? Do you know what you call a person who speaks one language? American. An American. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we knew we learned that overseas. That's the way we are. We're the only ones who only speak one language. Everybody else is speaking their native tongue and American, I mean English, or whatever the case may be. Uh, we had a great trip. Uh, I'll share with you some stories today, but some in the future as well. Thank you to Dan Stafford for putting a just incredible trip together. You know, Dan for years has been trying to get me to go to Moldova. Every year he asks for the last decade uh, if, if I could go with him. And we always had a conflict. And so this year Dan came to me and said, when, when can you go this year? So it wasn't like an option. Uh, he, he put it back on me to say, I'm not even going to plan the trip till I know when you can go. And I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he did. It was awesome uh, experience. We'll be sharing more, more about it in the, in the days ahead. And I thank my staff, our staff, for just their incredible work while I was gone. Uh, a lot of things always happen when you're out of town. Um, some good, some bad. It's, it's challenging, but I want to thank um, all of our staff for the incredible work uh, that they put in while I was gone. Kathy and I had a great time. We traveled from, we were in Moldova, then we went to Italy for a week, and then we went and ministered in Albania for a week. So if you ask me how my trip was, it, it was like three different parts. So it depends on, on which part uh, you ask us about, but it was great. It was great. And I'll share with you a little bit more about it this morning and in the weeks ahead because I don't want to use up all my good stories on one Sunday. I want to kind of spread them out a little bit. Jesus, when asked what the greatest commandment was, said what? Love, love your God with everything that you are. And the second is like unto it, which is? Christianity is in its basic nature relational. I've said that over and over again for uh, since almost day one of starting this church. Christianity is not a religion in its core. It's not about following rules. It's not about obligations. It's about a relationship with the God who loves you and created you. And in turn, it's relationship with one another. Uh, one of the things we contend, and I, I got this from a book from Gordon Fee long ago, is that God doesn't call a person after his name. He's looking for a people after his name. He's looking for a church. He's looking for a kingdom. He, it's not about just a person. It's about us, the togetherness of the church, relationship with God, relationship with one another. And so this morning I want to talk and begin a series on relationships by talking today about the priority of relationships. Relationships we know, I hope we know, are critical to our spiritual health, our emotional health, our physical health, our future. Relationships are non-negotiable. When Moses was called to go minister, 
he had a million excuses why he couldn't go. And God filled in his excuses, not just with faith, but with people. He didn't just say to Moses, no, just have faith and go. He said, have faith and I'm going to put people in your lives, that life that's going to help and it's going to fill in your weaknesses. We have people in our lives who can help us, can cover us, can direct us, can challenge us, if we'll just listen. There is strength in relationship. There's accountability in relationship. There is power in relationship. And so this morning, let's just kind of jump in and talk about uh, relationships for just a minute. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12 says this. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. The author of Ecclesiastes is so optimistic about life uh, that he's continually talking about what's meaningless. But here's his point here. He said, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, and yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's strength, there's power in relationships. A couple of weeks ago, actually three weeks ago, you may remember if you were here, I was about to leave town that afternoon and I broke a tooth. I mean, like, broke it. I've never broken a tooth before. I don't know if you ever have, where like you're chewing and then suddenly your tooth is in your hand, you know, kind of thing. I know that's kind of gross, but your, your tooth is broken off. And I'm leaving, I'm flying to Moldova at like six o'clock that night and I have a broken tooth. Now, it didn't hurt, but it was all jaggedy, and, and I just felt like it was going to hurt. You know what I mean? Like it was gonna, I was going to have a problem. So um, fortunately, Griffin is in our church. He's a dentist, and so I and a good friend, praise God. Uh, so I texted him right away and said, hey, can you call me? I got a dental emergency. I call. He calls. Griffin took me to his office right after church, his closed office, and fixed my tooth. And I'm thinking two is better than one, <laughs> especially when one of the two is a dentist, you know, and you kind of broke it too. Now, Griffin kind of mentioned, mumbled something on the way down, was like, hey, it's just going to be me and you, so you're going to have to do part of this. I'm like, ah, okay. So I had to get my tooth worked on and suction me at the same time. And that's when I'm thinking three are better than two. Uh, because I'm, I'm having enough trouble. My mouth is all numb. He kept giving me shots because I kept feeling things. By the way, it did hurt later. You were right. It did wear off at about, uh, I don't know, somewhere in Chicago or somewhere. Uh, but having friends is critical. Having people in your life who can pick you up when you fall down. Business people know the power of relationships. They talk about it all the time. Money is spent on trying to increase relationships uh, within business places. Do you know what the number one reason that people get fired from their jobs? 
They can't get along with other people. It's still listed as the number one reason people get fired from positions. They can't get along with other people. It's so true in business that the old adage that it's not just what you know, it's who you know. This is especially true in Christianity because the who we know is not just a person, it's the living God. We know him. He knows us. Genesis 126, it says, God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea. Even at the very beginning, you see that God is a relational God. Let us make man in our image. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all engaged in the process of creation, working together to make us in his image. If our God is a relational God and we are created in the image of a relational God, then we are a relational people. It's woven into the fabric of who we are. And yet within chapters, we see a brother killing a brother and asking this question, am I my brother's keeper? God's answer to that question from the beginning of creation is, yes, you're your brother's keeper. Not only did Cain murder Abel, but his theology, so to speak, was screwed up in so many different ways, including the relational aspect of his life. Am I my brother's keeper? So I want to talk about a little bit the priority of relationships. I want to give you, I know you're looking at your outline. Holy cow, he's going to preach a five-point sermon. Yes, I am. Welcome back. I'm, I'm glad to be here. We'll move. I'll try to move through these. Uh, I, I want to begin with this, though. Your relationship with God ultimately determines your destiny. The beginning point of all relationships has to be him, has to be God. It has to do with your, your destiny. It says in Exodus you must worship no other gods, but only the Lord, for he is a God who is passionate about what? His relationship with you. Why was the command, the Ten Commandments, and the first one having to do with relationship with God and no worship? Because it's not just that God is concerned that, you know, he's not such an egotistic God that he wants that in that way. But it's more that he's concerned about his relationship with you. We could compare it to marriage. Talk about the relationship within marriage and that how, you know, the, uh, Elton Trueblood wrote a book uh, a long time ago that said, the greatest difference numerically is the difference between one and two. One and two. When you go from singular to anything not singular, it's the greatest dis difference. So, so if, if we, got, when we talk about marriage, we talk about a person who's married to one wife. The big jump is when you're married to two wives or you have two women. Because once you get two, it doesn't really matter if you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, once you go from one to two, you made the jump. You've made the leap. When you talk about our worship of God, the biggest difference is you don't have any other gods before me. Why? Because I want to have a singularly critical relationship with you. Job 23 says, So he will do for me all he has planned. 
He controls my destiny. He controls my destiny. God controls. We, we say this point on a frequent basis, and I'm going to move quickly through it, but, but I believe every single person in this room has a destiny, was created for a purpose. And we've said over and over and borrowed this phrase from others that the two greatest days in your life were the day you were born and the day you discovered why. And the discovery of the why of your life is impossible without a relationship with God. The destiny of your life will never be fulfilled apart from him. It just can't be done. You can go to college. You can get a degree. You can make a lot of money. You can, you can pursue things, but without a relationship with God, your destiny, your created destiny will never be fulfilled. He cares about it so much that he sent his only son to die for you. That you could have eternal life. And there is no other way to him other than through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but except through me. This is where Jesus is pointing us to this relationship. You want a relationship with the Father? You have a relationship with me. You come to the Father through me. What does that mean? Obeying rules, regulations? No, no. It means a relationship with Jesus Christ, the one who rules your life and forgives your sins. Your destiny is determined by your relationship with God. And we can rejoice in it. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, making us what? Here. What does it make us? Friends of God. We just overlook the family part, the friendship part of our relationship. We call God our Father, but we think of him as this distant, dictatorial, maybe benevolent dictator, but dictatorial God. And yet, we use that term of Father, but we, we have a distance with it. No, no, that term Abba, Father, the friend, it, it indicates a relationship. We were overseas and, you know, communication has totally changed. I'm going to talk like an old man. Um, but when I first went overseas, you know, I, 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 I told Kathy, I'll call you once, let you know I'm alive, and then you'll see me on the plane when I get back. You know, because you couldn't communicate. I mean, phone calls, transatlantic, going to Africa. Now you just pick up an iPhone, find, you know, you just, you're talking. You've got Wi-Fi, you're talking for free to someone. Not only talking to them, but you're looking at them. You know, so I'm having conversations with my children. There's always issues, you know. I got five of them, and somebody's always got something going on. So they were talking, but that kind of relationship with me as their father, it, it can't be, I may be distant miles-wise, but emotionally, there's a connection. There's a, I hope at some point, a friendship at this point in our relationships. Your relationship with God will ultimately determine your fulfillment of the destiny for which you created. Please don't overlook that. And then let's move on. Your relationship with people directly affects your relationship with God. Your relationship with people directly affects your relationship with God. 
It is impossible to relate well to God if you don't relate well to other people. The Bible is full of scripture passages about this, about our relationship with one another and how it determines our relationship with him. In James 3, 9 and 10, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Yeah, we do that. And with it we curse men. Wait, wait, wait a minute. He's going on and saying, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. 1 John, the Apostle John says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Your prayers are hindered. Because of why? Your relationship with your spouse, if it's broken. I mean, there are passage after passage that says we are, it's about one another. And our relationship with God is harmed if our relationship with one another is in some way broken. Jesus says this, and this is a tough one. But if you don't forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive your sins. We need to look to him. I mean, that's a tough verse. That, it, it just pounces on you, doesn't it, when you read it? But the point Jesus is making, look, you've been forgiven such an incredible debt, a debt you could never repay, and your brother has this, in comparison, little debt. You may say, well, yeah, it's not that little a debt, but it is. It is. And if you walk around with unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible is absolutely clear on this. It harms your relationship with God. Your relationship with other believers determines your ability to fulfill the Great Commission. Christianity did it Today, a magazine recently said this. The number one cause of atheism in America is Christians. Those who proclaim God with their mouths and deny him with their lifestyles is what, is, is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. Our inability to even get along with each other is harming the fulfillment of God's commission to go and make disciples. People aren't making disciples. You know, there's a famous saying by Gandhi, he would have become a Christian if it wasn't for the Christians he met. Uh, it's so true more and more in our world that what we're giving to the world is not a picture of a loving relationship with one another, but more of a continual family fight in which the family members can't even get along. So why would I want to be a part of that family? I've got my own dysfunctional family. Why do I want to join another family that can't get along? There are reasons we need to love each other. Paul says in Romans 12, I mean that I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will what? It'll help you. Why do you come to church on Sunday morning? Can, can, I, can I just lovingly just say this in all grace? If you ever leave fullness, which you probably will someday, I mean... Hopefully not. Some of you have been around for a long time. I'm never getting rid I mean, you're never leaving. And so thank you for your 
your continued support. But um, if you ever leave fullness, please, 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 please don't come to me and say, you know, it's just not meeting my needs. Church wasn't actually designed to meet your needs. Um, we have made it into a consumer product in which now your needs are going to get met. Don't mistake me. But if you look at verses like this, you see that it's about you giving and me giving. You helping me and me helping you. We spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Now, if you ever leave fullness and God's directing you, then we'll pray through it and God, praise God. But the point is that if your needs aren't being met, it's possible that your needs aren't being met, possible, because you're not reaching out but sitting back. And that's not the call of the follower of Jesus Christ. Love for one another is active. I mean, it's engaging. It's, it's, it's working together. Yesterday, I went to um, Pastor AJ's son, as you know, tragically passed away at the age of 25 a week ago. I went to the funeral yesterday. I was just overwhelmed with the people whose lives AJ has affected. How he's called them out, and they call him like a He's like a father in the faith. I mean, literally, like a father in the faith to many of these young men that he's helped work through differing issues in their lives. And our faith has to help one another. It has to. Because when we do, when we accept one another, then as Christ accepted us, we bring praise to God. How did, I don't want to get too bogged down, but how did Christ accept you? Did you get all your junk together and then come to God and say, hey, I've got all my junk together. And I want to jump in. No, no, you came a wreck. You came a mess. You came sinful. You came with all your gory stuff and you came to God and pleaded with him to forgive you in some way. And he accepted you. Why should we say to people, look, I'll be friends with you, but you got to get your junk together before I'm going to befriend you? No, no, we've got to learn as the body of Christ to accept one another. Isn't that what the world's going to say? Look at those people. How they ridiculously love one another. They're, they're crazy about one another, and, and they're a mess. There's, I know that person. Their life was a real mess until they went there. And those people loved them and accepted them. Look, here's, here's what's great is I could go around. There's some of you who have been at fullness for a while. But when you came to fullness, you were a mess. And really, one of the things that drew you into the fellowship is that people loved you in your mess. It was the message of the gospel, of course. It was the theology of what God had done. But at the moment... It was somebody who loved you in spite of you. And to me, that's living out the gospel. So much so that Jesus gives a new command that we love one another. How? As he's loved us. We love one another. Well, it's going to be so good that by this, all men will know you're my disciples. Know that you're my followers. And I don't think this means, by the way, just a loving tolerance of each other. 
that's kind of in my skeptical view of life. Sometimes how I see people, I know I got to love them. Thanks, Mary Jo. Um, we got to love people, so I just tolerate them and call it love. You know what I mean? I don't really love them. I just kind of tolerate them because I know I got to. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a ridiculous love. Jesus loved us so much that he, get, he laid down his own life for us. You know, we're not even willing to have people in our home because it's such a pain. I'll have to clean. I might have to cook some food. They'll probably eat my food. Their kids are probably going to wreck something in my house. You know, we just, we can't get our, we're so self-centered that we don't really love one another. This past week, Kathy and I were in Albania, and Kathy and Eddie Gogu, who is the wife of Tony, they've started a ministry in this little village called Peza, which is about 1,500 people. It's outside of Tirana, which is the capital city. Albania is a, a country, it's a, a lot like Moldova, which I'll talk about. It's about two and a half million people. Over half the population of the entire country lives in one city, the capital city of Tirana. Um, the other half are spread out throughout the countryside. And this little village, which is about a half hour outside of Tirana, <clears throat> has about 1,500 people. They've started a ministry there. The, the, the school they were, the public school there didn't have a library for instance, so they went in, renovated a room, built shelves, started a library, just simple stuff. Um, they've, they've moved to this village with the express purpose of sharing the gospel and making a difference in the community. So they had this meeting, and Eddie invited women to come in, 20, 25 women. The picture's not great, but you can kind of see them. Uh, Kathy and Eddie talked to these women about preventative health care for their children. Now, Kathy's really trained in a lot of ways, but honestly, preventative health care for children is not like her wheelhouse. Um, but, you know, things like washing your hands, things like, I, I mean, just simple things went a long way. And, and, but it's really more about building relationships and serving the community. This one lady came up to Kathy afterwards and through an interpreter said to her, you know, I didn't really like Americans. Until I met you. I thought Americans were stuck up. I thought Americans were arrogant. And your spirit just touched me. And this lady, later that day, brought us yogurt and cake. And she didn't bring it for us. Let me just say, she brought it for Kathy. Um, because Kathy touched her heart. Now, um, it's, it's that mindset that's supposed to happen with the gospel, that we love one another, we love people, so that the Great Commission is fulfilled, right? So that they say, you know, I didn't used to like these people, but I, I've met a, one of these people, and you're Okay. How you handle your relationships determines your emotionally, emotional and ultimately your physical health. This is a, might be a little different angle on things, but I just want to, I'm trying to build a foundation of relationships. There's a lot of people sick and emotionally unwell because their relationships are bad. 
if we can just be honest. They have broken relationship. They have unforgiveness in their heart. They have bitterness in their heart. And it will affect you emotionally and physically. It's like toxins being released in your, in your body. I've told this story before, but several years ago, it was on July 3rd, like four or five years ago, and I'd been feeling bad for a couple of days. My stomach really hurt. I was having a lot of pain. And I, I, it was July 3rd, and I thought, you know, this thing, this pain is just not going away. It's a weird pain. So I went on the Internet to see what it might be. You know, <laughs> my doctors, they love that when you do that. Go on the Internet, see what the problem might be. Sound like gallstones. You know, I read down the list. You know how you do. You put the, the things in, and you kind of figure out what it was. It sounds like gallstones to me. So I thought, ah, I better see a doctor because tomorrow's July 4th. It's a Thursday, and he'll probably be closed on the 5th as well, and then the whole weekend. And if this is serious, then I, I could be in a lot of pain over the weekend. I don't want no pain. So um, called the doctor. He said, come in. Send me for some sort of scan. I come back upstairs, and he's, I'm sorry, I'm not explaining this well, that his, his office was here. The scan was like two floors below. I went down for a scan. I walked upstairs. By the time I walk upstairs, he's on the phone. He said, I'm connecting you with the surgeon. And I'm like, I'm sorry? He said, your appendix is about to rupture. They don't even know how you're walking around right now. I said, no, no. The internet said it was gallstones. <laughs> And he said, no, I'm, I'm finding a surgeon. I got a guy I like, and you're going to go from here over to the hospital, and you're going to get your appendix out. So I call Kathy. She's at a women's luncheon or something. It's one of those days she's at a women's luncheon. I call, hey, you might want to come down to the hospital. <laughs> I'm about to have surgery to get my appendix out. And so she gets somebody to bring her down there. I think it was Cheryl Ross brought her. And Cheryl and Kathy are driving up. And the doctor says to me, hey, let me get you a wheelchair. I'll take They'll take you over to the hospital and have surgery. I said, I, I feel okay. I can walk. I'll just walk. It's just right there. It's right across the street. It was at St. Vincent's. I was in the medical plaza, the physician thing. And so I call Kathy and say, hey, I got to go in the hospital and get my uh, surgery. I got to take my appendix out. It's really serious. The thing is going to rupture, blah, blah, blah. So by the time I get everything done, I walk downstairs. I walk out. Kathy and Cheryl are driving up, and I'm walking into the hospital. Now, my wife's a skeptic at heart anyway, in case you didn't know this. And she goes, you know, you don't look that bad. <laughs> yeah, but the doctor said, if I don't get this out, I could be dead in no time. Why? Because if my appendix ruptures, it's going to send toxins throughout my whole body. And if it ruptures and you don't get it out before it ruptures, then you've got a mess. You've got a mess that could both threaten your life physically. Phil decided to have his appendix out while I was gone. Good job. We're in the same club. I haven't had that heart thing yet. I'm not planning on it, but Phil, he's just going from one. He's keeping our doctors in, in the city and employed because they're struggling. Um, bad relationships is like a ruptured appendix in your life. It's going to just spread toxins throughout your whole body, and it's going to affect you in ways other organs in your life are going to fail because... You didn't take care of unforgiveness or bitterness or other problems. It's things that need to be fixed. And you can go from loving people to hating people in no time. Right? You can go from, hey, I really love that guy. I hate that guy. You know, I mean, really, you can move from here to here just like that. 
Some offense can happen. Why? Because Satan has one job. He's a liar. He's an accuser. And if you'll listen to his voice, he's right there to tell you stuff all the time about other people. And here's the, here's the thing I've learned about other people over my many years of living is they're messed up. And they will hurt you. Even the best people. Think of the best people you know. Okay, you can think about me if you want, but think about the best people you know. They're going to hurt you because they're people. They make mistakes. They don't see all the angles. They, don't, they can't see all of your emotional woundings and how one word that you may say may hurt them. A word that's not even meant to be hurt or how they just don't, it just doesn't, it, it's painful. So you can go from loving a person, to, and maybe hate is a strong word, but just angry, bitter, unforgiving. And maybe you even say, I've forgiven them. But forgiveness is not just a, it's not just a verbal, it's a state where you release them. You release them from holding anything against them. You rebuild your love relationship with them. You've got to get past it. It's why Jesus says, hey, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, do what? I just put it off. Don't you deal with it later. It's, it's fine. No, he says, go. Take care of it. Leave your gift at the altar and go handle this thing. Be reconciled. Then come and offer your gift. You know, if you think about the depth of this, it is really mind-blowing to say, hey, if you're in a worship service, I'm sure the most important thing is, your, is worshiping God, giving your offering, doing your time at church, doing whatever. No, Jesus is saying the most important thing is if you've got a broken relationship with a brother or sister, you need to, boom, take care of it. Because it'll bring harm to you. It'll bring harm to your relationship with God. It'll ultimately destroy the, the ministry of the gospel. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Wait a minute. We've moved from my brother to my adversary. You know, like, okay, let's... We're in, the, we're in the body of Christ, and we're handling things with each other. Now he's saying, hey, if you've got an adversary, well, it's an adversary, right? It's somebody, we're, we're battling with each other. He's saying, listen, you need to take care of things. Relationships matter. Healthy relationships matter more. Unhealthy relationships will damage you in ways you can't even perceive. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Take care of it. Deal with it. Take care of the anger. Now, you may not take care of the issue totally. Um, I talk about this in marriage counseling a lot. But, you know, it says don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Okay, take care of the anger issue. Handle that. But there have been times where Kathy and I were like, we've got some issues we need to resolve. I can't resolve these before we go to bed. You know what I mean? It's too complicated. 
We're going to have to work this out. But let's at least say, I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not angry. We've got an issue to resolve. We'll deal with it. But we're... We just got back from this trip. It was just me and Kathy together. 19 days. My daughter, one of my daughters said, you know, that's a long time to be together. And, you know, I said, it is. You're right. But we got, things went great. It was a wonderful time together. We're still learning to adjust of having conversations. We, we, had, a, we had a meeting with um, Tony, Tony and Eddie brought some other people together over for dinner who are all new empty nesters uh, in Albania. And so they wanted me to talk to them. And of the 10 or 12 people who came, I think only one or two are believers. They're just other people they've met in the community and people they know, bringing them together to talk about what does it mean to be an empty nester. And I said to them, hey, one of the most challenging things is what do we talk about now? You know what I mean? I mean, for so long, what we talked about was, hey, we've got this issue with our child. we got this. we got to go here. we got to do that. How do you think this one's doing? How do you think that one's doing? Now they're all gone, and it's like, what do you want to talk about? Well, that's Kathy saying that. What do you want to talk about? I almost never say, what do you want to talk about? But uh, what do you want to talk about? You have to find new ways of connection with each other, uh, of being, being together. Because if you go down with anger, you're giving the devil a foothold in your home, in your house, in your relationships. Don't even give him the opportunity to whisper those lies in your life. Take care of it right away. Get the toxins out. Now listen, I, I always throw this verse in here because it's critical. If it's a possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with every man. Live at peace with everyone. Well, why does Paul write it like that? Because there are some people who just don't want to get along with you. You know what I mean? You do everything you can, but you're not the only one in a relationship. It takes the other person also. And, but that's what's great about the body of Christ. We should all be on the same page, at least within the context of Christianity, that we all want to get along with one another. Not just get along, but love one another. Spur one another on to love and good deeds. You know, it's really hard to say to someone and to hold them accountable and say, hey, I think you may have messed up here if they don't think you love them, right? Even if you, they think you love them, it's still hard to do, much less if they think you don't. And that's part of what the body of Christ does is helps one another in these areas. I've told this story before, but it cracks me up every time that there's this, uh, they found this wall with writing scribbled on the shack of a wall that they've put in a gold rush museum in Deadwood, South Dakota. And it was from, it's an inscription scratched out by a beleaguered prospector. And it says this, I lost my gun. I lost my horse. I'm out of food. The Indians are after me, but I've got all the gold I can carry. Some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to look back at life and say, I got no friends. 
My family's deserted me. I have no relationships, but dadgummit, I got all the gold I can carry. And that is not going to bring us fulfillment in life. Some people need others to reach out to them. One of the things that the church in Moldova is doing in uh, Donku that was just so incredible. I went one morning with, uh, with, with Kathy and some others to do uh, Meals on Wheels. And by the way, I have a video I should show you. Uh, the, the, the roads in Donku in Moldova are all dirt, and it stormed the night before. And it was a muddy mess. And the guy driving, he was somewhat older than I was. At least he looked older than I was. And he's in this little four-wheel drive car. But, I mean, it's just like, I mean, we're sliding all over the road. We're going up these hills, and, 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 and Kathy's in the backseat with me. We're praying. She's praying more than me, of course. And she's praying that we don't drive off the side of a mountain. But they're going to these different homes, and they're bringing food that the church has made, hot soup and rice, and seeing these people who don't even go to their church. Most of them that they're feeding are orthodox in their faith, and, and they're, they're receiving food. And these are people, these people, are, they're just, they just want to see somebody. It's not just about the food. When the person gets there to feed them, they just want to talk to somebody. The guy on the right, yeah, the guy on the right that Kathy and, and our translator are, are, is talking to, all he wanted to do was talk about Jimmy Carter, George Bush, Gorbachev, um, you know, all of it. He was just bringing up, he just didn't want us to leave. He just wanted to talk to somebody, to have somebody, because... This guy was living in a room that maybe was six by six, and it's the only room he's going to be in for the whole day. His bed was in one corner. His little kitchen was in another corner. He's got a bigger house, but he just doesn't want to heat it. He's old, and he can't get around, and we're the only people he's going to see for that, that whole time, starving for relationship. We went to another lady's house. Um, her, her, her name was Maria. And this is the way she walked. She wasn't bending down to pick up something. This was her, um, what do you call it, osteoporosis? Is that the right term? Scoliosis, thank you. And, and so she, she, she's bent over like this, walking around, taking care of this little farm area all by herself. They fed, feed her three and four times a week, take her food. They have their bowls set out and then pray for them, talk to them. I, I came away just, you know, both crushed and thankful and guilty and, you know, just the range of emotions that go over you. But the thing that, again, I, I'm maybe not saying it as well as I want to, is the food they got was important. But what these people were dying for was relationships. I think here we have the same issue going on. We have people who think they need one thing, but what they really need is relationship. Dear friends, love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. We love because he first, we first loved us. Final point, and really this is my next week's whole sermons, but I'm just introducing it to you is this, and it, it's the point of this whole 
four-week series, This Time Forever, is the point that redemptive relationships have eternal impact. The relationships we have in which we see people in faith come to know the Lord are going to be for eternity. I also want to say this, non-redemptive relationships also have eternal impact, but not in a positive way. But I want to talk about next week, really, what it is that is so key about relationships. There's almost nothing else you're going to do today that would have the same impact as seeing a person come to faith in Jesus Christ. Right? So let's say you're going to go to lunch. You're going to feed your body. You're going to need to be fed again later today, this evening, tomorrow. You're going to do stuff this afternoon. Maybe even spend time with people in your family. But, but the relationship in which you see someone come to faith in Jesus Christ is going to last forever. It's going to have an eternal impact. And I want to talk about how relationships, we, we minimize the eternal aspect of relationships next week. Philemon which Gabriel preached on last year. I'm going to come back to that just a little bit because he's talking about um, the relationships at various levels. But in it, in Philemon 4 through 6, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. There's so much wrapped in these verses and the ones that follow it about the eternal aspect of relationships. As we come to the end, here's the, here are the questions I want to ask you. How's your relational health? How's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with other believers? How's your relationship with your family? How's your relationship with those outside the church, outside the faith? How's your relational health? Many of us will spend a good amount of time working on our physical health. But I would contend with you, to you, that maybe the greatest impact on both your physical, spiritual, and emotional health will be determined by your relational health. It lasts not just today and tomorrow, but can last for eternity. I'm asking you in the days ahead to examine your relational health. Because this time, it'll last forever. Lord, we pray this morning that you would just direct our path. Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would move among us right now. I just pray that we would reflect on a moment. The spirit of truth, you would speak to us about our relational health. Do we have anything against anyone? Are we holding unforgiveness in our hearts? Do we have a brother or sister who has something against us? Are we in an adversarial relationship in which there are unsettled matters with someone, even outside the church? Do we have unforgiveness toward mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, children, friends. And if it's not unforgiveness, Lord, is the relationship damaged in some way that 
that we need to take care of it. Lord, I pray that you will help us not put it off on them to fix it, but that, God, you'd speak to our hearts how we can correct the path that we're on. Lord, today, we, I believe this is critical. And I believe we know in our hearts that this really matters. So God, draw us to your name first. And because you accept us in your family as friends, may we accept one another. May we give joy and love and time to those around us. Lord, forgive us where we have not forgiven others. Forgive us where we've tolerated broken relationships in our lives. May the toxins of those moments be removed and may we walk in health in every way. Spirit of God, direct us. In Jesus' name, amen.